How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Josh Hutchinson, and I've got John Binkle with me here today. How you doing, bud? I'm good, brother. I'm uh, living life. Uh, I am, through Tuesday at least, demolishing my matchup um, in my one remaining um, playoff league. So uh, 20 literal points through Tuesday. Didn't miss a point on a player yesterday. Uh, only one player with only one point yesterday. So I'm hoping the rest of the week treats me kindly. But at this moment, I'm destroying my competition and I could not feel better. What's new with you? That's awesome. I'm uh, I'm in the finals in a couple leagues. Uh, one of them being the, the Apples and Genos Patron League, the Bangers Cats League. Um, I'm in a tight matchup there. Um, and then I'm in my Kakupful finals, which is uh, really exciting. So I'll be moving up in the in Kakupful tiers guaranteed. Um, but I'm I'm trying to push my way up into tier five. It's a really tough matchup. The guy that uh, was in it's the against the first place team. Uh, he was in first place a good chunk of the year and made a lot of really uh, really good trades to to upgrade his team at the end of the year. I'm gonna those say were, that politely. Those weren't the words you those were <laughs> Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like if you if you're able to if you're able to pull off deals um, and maybe win a number of trades against other managers, that's good on you. Know you. What? That is it, I it feel, is what it is. I feel the exact same way. I'm not a fantasy trades hater. If you yeah. pull off a trade with another manager and the rest of the league feels like like you just like peeled them back and gave them one, great. That's awesome. Yeah, it's you Do know it. what? Good on Send you. Send the I, offer. Send the I, offer. Ultimately, I wish it was me, but it wasn't. So that's that it is what it is. It's still a pretty tight matchup, but I am I do. It, it feels like I'm a little outmatched just in terms of quality of players head to head, but that doesn't necessarily matter. My streams have no, hit. I was just talking about that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. My all of my streams have been hitting, and I've just been trying to keep pace, and it is pretty tight. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, hoping that something magical happens, and and I can pull this one out. Maybe get a a nice new T-shirt. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that's uh, <laughs> that's. I mean, yeah, things things are going okay. I would say, uh, okay, in, in my playoff matchups, um, yeah. But it, we're getting down to it. This is one of our last midweek podcasts, I think, Single for the rest tier. of the season. It might be, might just be this week and next week. I guess we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, this that we're we're getting down to it. This is finals week for a lot of people, and. Uh, and it's exciting. I'm feeling the heat. I'm getting excited for playoff hockey. Uh, but Ooh, it's also, like, you know, a little me bit too. stressful. I can't wait to talk playoff hockey with you, like, in general, not necessarily on the on air for the, yeah. for, the, for the viewers. Yeah. Lots 100%, of 100%, man. Lots 100%. of cussing. You know. It, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hopefully not. Hopefully it's all uh, it's all good vibes for both of our teams. <laughs> all right. Thanks you know again for leaving we're totally, meet, we're totally going to meet in the finals. Now that you said that, we'll see. We're totally we'll going to meet in the that finals. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty awesome, man. I would, I would, that would be pretty exciting. All right. Thanks again for leaving us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you haven't and you're enjoying our content, please 
just take a second, leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. It's a great place to talk fantasy hockey, get your questions answered, and also receive alerts for when new Apples and Genos content drops. And if you didn't already know, this is Midweek Moves. It's Wednesday, March 29th, and we're talking about schedule maximization, who you should be adding and dropping at this point. And at this point, we are getting down to it. I guess I already said that, but all right, let's let's talk about about the rest of the week this week. Uh, we're talking Thursday to Sunday. There are a number of teams with three games left. Um, so Anaheim, Boston, Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, L.A., New Jersey, New York, the New York Rangers, Philly, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis. All of those teams have three games. Um, the the heavy nights aren't as heavy as as they were last week, and the light nights aren't as light. Actually, you know what? Sunday is technically a heavy night, uh, not technically an off night, even though there's only nine games. I know I mentioned that last week, but it's worth reiterating that it's likely that you're going to be able to fit people into your lineup on Sunday, even though it's technically a heavy night. So um, the... Two teams out of those out of that huge group of teams that avoid Saturday, which is the most important. Saturday is the the busiest night. Uh, the New York Rangers and the Detroit Red Wings they both avoid Saturday, so they're really ideal streaming teams at this point. Um, there are also three teams that only have two games, but those two games are on the Friday and Sunday, so they also avoid the Saturday. Those teams are Calgary, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. A little Western Canada party there. Um, and next week, so next week is a bit of a weird week. A lot of people won't even be playing fantasy hockey next week. Um, but there are some leagues that go right until the bitter end. So in Yahoo, there are, um, the, it actually is, it goes from April 3rd to April 14th. So it's almost like a two week span and it's really going to be difficult to stream people. Essentially, uh, the, the, the heavy nights are extremely heavy. The light nights are extremely light, even more so than last week. And it's it's uh, it's not pretty. So the teams with the best schedules, there are four teams that have seven games over that stretch. Those are Buffalo, Colorado, Nashville, and Seattle. Colorado and Nashville play on two off nights. And two off nights are the most off nights that any team has over that stretch. Um, and, and there are, uh, very few teams that have that. So, uh, Dallas has six games with two off nights and then Calgary and Anaheim have five games with two off nights. The rest of the teams in the league have either one or zero off nights. So really, really tough streaming schedule. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a wasteland at that point. There's going to be a lot of people resting. It's uh, it's going to be a tough week if 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 that is your finals week. So, um, do you have anything to add about about the schedule here, Binksy? Well, given that it's such a long period and that the schedule doesn't necessarily lean towards streaming level players right with there being such a lack of off nights what i will be doing pray that i make it into this finals matchup for that for that ending week will be especially attacking the teams that play on monday and tuesday to open up this massive period right and those three teams seattle 
Vegas, and Nashville all have a Monday, Tuesday back-to-back to open the week next week. No team hits Monday and Wednesday, and no team hits Tuesday and Wednesday. So in those first three days, you absolutely need to get two games out of that schedule, and you're getting it from Seattle, Vegas, and Nashville. All three of those teams have just a glut of players that are going to be sitting on your waiver wire. I implore you, go into your week with at least one of your ads being Seattle, Vegas, or Nashville, right? Nashville not looking as good because of injury concerns, but there's plenty more to choose from. Seattle, plenty to choose from, but you never really know who's going to be the guy, right? And Vegas, there's a couple of guys you can choose from, but they're probably snatched up, right? So Mm -hmm. I implore you to choose any one of those three teams and make sure you get at least one of their players that are getting in on those back-to-backs and then move on from them as their schedule lessens throughout that massive period. But if you are still continuing, if you made it to the next round and you're working in week 25, you've got to get one of these three teams. You've got to get one of these three teams to start with and then see what happens throughout the rest of the week. But it's been at least one of your ads working on these guys because that is a massive advantage. If you can get two games in two days in such a big period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's good advice. I did. I didn't mention, but there is a Friday in there. Good Friday where there are zero games. Um, so that's not super helpful either. And that's part of the reason why some of the nights are loaded up so much, I think. Um, yeah, so let's let's talk about our ads for this week. So I have a couple guys that you should be adding. And I mean, I don't know if this is really a big secret at this point. Um uh, especially especially one of these guys, David Perron, 42% rostered, plays for the Detroit Red Wings. I said you should probably be looking at the Red Wings and Rangers for streams for the rest of this week. I stand by that. They avoid they avoid that Saturday. David Perron, uh, I streamed him in Kikupful to to get four games from Tuesday to Sunday. Got a hat trick last night. That was pretty amazing. Uh, that that worked out swimmingly. And uh, you know what? He is he's playing on top. Uh, the top line, top power play, playing with Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin's been great all year. Um, really the only consistent Detroit Red Wings uh, player offensively this year. Yeah. Um, but David Perron, I, I watched part of the game just because I had a vested interest in that stream. And uh, he looked great. Like, I thought, I thought he looked like... I don't know, like a little bit like the David Perron that we we know and love. Um, so, I, I mean, part of it was, I don't think the goaltending on the other side was super strong, but uh, uh, I mean, he was still getting to the net and getting to those spots that he normally gets to. So um, I, I am a fan of a David Perron stream at this point, just because of deployment. His ice time's gone up as well. Um, and... Yeah, just a great schedule the rest of the week. Um, the other guy is Philip Hedel, also had a goal last night. Also another guy I streamed and it worked out. Uh, he is one of the more attainable Rangers, and in my opinion, is probably your best option out of like the second-tier players on the Rangers. Um, he just 
he just is more consistent than guys like Kako and, and Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, I, I trust him so much more. Uh, he generates more himself. Uh, he's been shooting pretty well and pretty consistently, like getting three, four shots a game the last little while, even with um, not a ton of ice time. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the the options for the Rangers, the Rangers are pretty top heavy, so it is kind of hard to to stream players in from there. But if you are going to stream a Ranger the rest of the week, I think Filipino is your guy. He's also only 17% rostered currently. So that's, I mean, uh, the, that's more easy pickings uh, than, than Perron for sure. So more likely that he's out there. Uh, what do you think, Big C? I like both of those ad options. They were on the short list for me for this week for the show. I'm definitely more concerned about Filipito given the the serious fluctuation in his time on ice, right? Like they have such incredible talent in the top six. And it it seems to me that depending on who they're playing, he may or may not get more or less time on ice, right? And it's hard for me to tell what the the opposition means to his time on ice like you're looking at two games back to back against Carolina and in the first one 16 and a half minutes and the second one 12 minutes right like his time on ice is all over the place and as we've seen with Heedle at least recently in the season it doesn't necessarily depend on how much time he gets on ice to see how like worthwhile he is as a as a fantasy player but it does scare me that his time on ice seems to go like this even in such a small period so of those two players i'm leaning more towards perron and i also lean more towards perron given that they're playing carolina winnipeg and toronto and all three of those teams, you never really know what you're getting out of an opposition with the three of them. Like obviously Carolina and Toronto have been playing better as of late and Winnipeg absolutely hasn't. But with those three teams, it just feels like you never really know what you're getting out of a fantasy opposition out of the three of them. And obviously his time on ice is way higher. His opportunity cost is way higher with Perron, but you know you're talking about 25 percent roster ship higher so it's it's that much more likely that you're not going to get Perron. Mm-hmm. but i like both of those players just the two of them in a vacuum i'm definitely leaning Perron. i'm definitely leaning on detroit and their top level players versus new york and their lower level lower level players but i really like both of those options yep yeah, totally agree. Um, who is your ad this week? My ad this week is is um, and also ran in this uh, three team remaining in the week. And I got to throw this in there. I'm not sure if this is a typo by you or if this is something that I messed up. But Ottawa is also playing three games this week. Oh, not, did I I'm not, not put sh- them in? I'm not sure if we missed that on the list. I'm okay, sure yeah, I, I may. If I may I'm have, reading yeah. the wrong schedule. No, you're 100% um, right. Yep, you're yes. 100% right. I missed them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Soundbite that. I want to clip it. Um, <laughs> so Ottawa is playing Philadelphia, Toronto, and Columbus. 
And Jake Sanderson is 29% rostered. He's got Philadelphia Thursday, Toronto Saturday, Columbus on Sunday. Shabbat is likely to miss the rest of the season with an injury. So this dude has already been eating minutes. So he's going to eat even more minutes, only once under 22 minutes in the last five games played. Like the blocks and the hits are a given, and the offense notwithstanding, he has given you a majority of the minutes on the first pair, most of the minutes on the power play, and minutes on the shorthanded stat. So if you're in a category league that awards you for the weird points, he's there. If you're in a league where you're just trying to get totals, He's there. And I feel like, and this is this is like uh, gut feel central, right? So yeah. much opportunity, and he hasn't hit anything yet. Underlying numbers don't tell you this. This is this is pure betting on a tilt. But at this point, with so much opportunity with no points and him continuing to take shots. I feel like he's due and I feel like he's due as a death knoll in betting, but I actually feel like he's due and now he's going to get even more minutes than he was getting before. I just don't see how it doesn't come through for you, especially with these being the three teams that he's going to play against. Yeah. This happened earlier in the year where Shabbat went down and Jake Sanderson, I think we, we, we all, uh, a number of us bet on Jake Sanderson to, to really get a ton of minutes and get get that opportunity, and he did, and he played pretty well um, across the board. He's not someone that that uh, was destroying worlds or anything. I mean, obviously, he's a rookie. He's played extremely well. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. But um, my only concern here, and I think I think your your reasoning is sound. Um, I I I could definitely see him playing thirty minutes a night uh, the rest of the week. Cause that's just, that's just how they deploy people. And that's how they deployed Shabbat when he was the only, uh, the only left-handed D with any type of, I don't mean the only quality left-handed defender on the team. Um, but now with, with Chikrin and, and Shabbat out, Sanderson's really the only one there. So um, my only concern is I, I was reading on Twitter that I don't know if it was at practice or at the end of the last game, they were trying Travis Hamanick. As the what? power play quarterback, what? Uh, so <laughs> what? I'm not sure. I I don't know if that's going to happen in the game. Um, but I live on Twitter. How did I not see that? Dude? That is something that exists in the ether, and uh, I I I can't remember who it was. I can't remember where I read that. Um, fact check me if I'm wrong. Uh, people that are watching, uh, throw it in the chat if you know anything more than I do. But. Uh, I did, I did read that somewhere. Um, I could be getting trolled, but, um, yeah, so that, that is a concern, but yeah, I think your, I think your reasoning is pretty sound on Jake Sanderson and he's pretty attainable at this point. Um, my drop, I mean, I don't have a specific drop. I I think I just have advice about dropping people going into finals week. If your finals week is next week, that long week, right till the bitter end of the season, keep a close eye on players on your team that are in a very comfortable playoff position. Um, I'm talking teams like the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs, um, guys like Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, uh, John John Tavares, David Krejci. Um, Yeah, but like essentially like I'm trying to emphasize 
the quality of quality of players like Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron just a few games ago, I believe it was Sunday. Uh, Bergeron and Marchand did not play, and yeah. I, I, it was essentially for rest. Um, and that's that is like with two weeks left of the season because Boston obviously like they're going to win the Presidents Trophy. It's not even close. So. It, they they can do stuff like that at this point, but it's going to it's <laughs> that's going to happen even more uh, going into next week. Uh, so just to warn you, those guys might not be a factor. So keep a really close eye on lineups. I would almost be willing to drop a Brad Marchand for Ooh. a guy on the Ooh. Senators, a guy Ooh. on the Florida Panthers teams that are trying to battle it out to get into the playoffs Um, teams that are going to be playing with some type of urgency. Um, It's, it's a risky play. It's certainly a risky play, but uh, it's something that you need to consider. And it's something that like, I mean, it's do or die at this point. And if you're in the situation where (laughs) you're playing that, that one and a half week stretch, I mean, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's do or die. I, I already said that, but uh, you need to make drastic moves like that. I absolutely... what, what do you think about that, that, that philosophy? Man, uh, I think that that is a really forward thinking philosophy in terms of the Bruins in particular. There are other teams that I don't, necessarily believe that about um notably in your list tampa bay i don't i don't necessarily believe that about them i believe more that especially seeing uh maroon hit the top line to open a week that that they might be more inclined to get players up to speed for the playoffs instead of rest them but for boston in particular for marchand and and bergeron in particular i absolutely believe i absolutely believe that will be the process and and considering i don't know about bergeron recently but um but about marchand recently about bergeron recently but but marchand recently that has been the case. He's not really been showing up in games and whether or not he's injured and they want to rest him or he's just tired and they want to rest him. That has definitely seemed to have been the case. So I would be paying more attention to rest for the Bruins than anybody else. But I, I definitely think it's something to look out for, for them specifically, if not for the rest of the league. Um, for my drop this week, I went a little bit more specific. We seem to be trading off in that regard. Um, I would really strongly be considering dropping Matt Zuccarello. 86% rostered at this moment on Yahoo. He's got one game left this week away on Saturday versus Vegas. Right, So full slate away once versus one of the better teams in the West. He's got zero goals in the last five, two in the last ten. And ever since Kirill Kaprizov went down, he's got seven points in 10 games over that pretty large stretch at this point, and primarily on even strength assists. 
even though he's been shouldering a big 1924 average time on ice and almost two and a half shots per game, he's shooting 7% recently. He's got nearly no bangs, no pims, no positive plus minus, no face-offs. There's nothing to give you outside value other than him scoring, and I do not want to rely on him scoring on even strength face-offs right now in crunch time. 100%. I, I 100% agree with that. I think Zuccarello, the magic is gone, as Nate mentioned on the on the, the previous podcast. Something about turning into back into the 300-year-old woman or whatever it was. I was I was kind of half listening. Were you listening? Honestly. It was, I was, I was listening live. I had to hit him with a comment. Stick reference, bro. Stick reference. Also, I type with I, I type with two fingers if you're if you're watching just live. like that yeah like like yeah. On a, like a, a typewriter in the 1930s <laughs> stick reference bro um so uh mr c says um just back to one the, our conversation about the bruins and resting players how about debrusque um i think for me my opinion on this is debrusque has been out for a lot of time so I, I i don't necessarily feel that he needs rest i don't know that i don't know that the bruins are going to feel that way i have no idea what john montgomery thinks or, or his thought process you might have a little more insight into that but um i think to brusque is less likely to be rested just because he's younger and he has missed significant time recently so i don't know that i don't know that rest is necessarily um top priority for him specifically as, as opposed to like the older guys that are like <laughs> essentially near retirement, like Bergeron and Krejci. And, and um, I guess you could throw Brad Murphy and into that mix as well. Um, yeah. What, I don't know. What do you think, man? Well, I mean, in looking in, in recent deployment, you're getting power play time, right. With DeBrusque and you're getting line time that is lower than what you would normally see at his skill level but they're also kind of flip-flopping who would normally see the majority of time for them as a team. So it's hard to rely on them just kind of flipping the roster upside down right now, but that is what we can expect from the Bruins, right? We can expect them to turn the bottom six into the middle six and the top three into just kind of, floating through the game and with DeBrusque, you are getting power play time. So I like DeBrusque and I also like Bertuzzi, but I also don't really trust them in that same wavelength at this point. I don't really trust it, right? Like my gut says they're going to get more minutes, but it doesn't say they're going to get quality minutes with quality production so i'm a little bit scared of it frankly and plus everyone that they're playing right now sees them as the president's cup yeah in in their race to go to playoff mode or even Mm -hmm. to just finish this finish the season on a high note so everybody is coming at the bruins and i don't love it like i like jake debrusque a lot and i like bertuzzi outside of what he's shown us in Boston, but you're not going to see Hall. And those two guys scare me quite a bit in crunch time. They scare me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that man, they have they have nothing to play for at this point. Uh, like these games don't matter. Other than like you saw uh, against Tampa Bay, they had a skirmish right off the opening faceoff, and I almost think it's like uh, when the Bruins are playing teams that they're maybe going to face on their playoff run. They're kind of like <laughs> oh, we're 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 here. Like we're. We're ready. We're fucking right. ready, guys. Like we're we're, we're on the ice. Not, show us, show yeah. us what you're gonna do. We're yeah. the big bad Bruins, and we're gonna fuck you up. Like that's that's essentially uh, that needs what to it be feels like. We're the big yeah. bad Bruins. We're gonna fuck you up. <laughs> uh, Bigsy, why don't you run us through some injuries? So I only really hit on the pertinent uh, injuries for fantasy hockey. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading off, Tage Thompson missed Monday against the Habs and didn't skate and practice on Tuesday. Brennan Des at Dobser, Dobber expects that rest was considering they don't play again until Friday against the Rangers. Do you believe in that narrative? Have you dropped your Sabres anyway? Are you done with Tuck and, and Skinner and, and the like? No, I'm not done. Like they're they're still technically in it, right? So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm I'm absolutely still in still in on those guys. So I wouldn't be be dropping them at all. I think they they have a back to back Friday Saturday. Is that right? I think so. I think they still have two games left. So yeah, yeah. Friday, Friday is a really really late night too. So yeah, I'm definitely keeping my sabers for sure. Sam Bennett skated on Saturday but remains day-to-day with an undisclosed injury uh, to open tonight's game against the Leafs as you and I were watching Declare and Verhege on the top line. So that's worth noting. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby Doc missed Tuesday's game against Philadelphia because of an upper body injury. How many games did he make it? Three? Three? Yeah, not many. Not many. During Monday's game in Buffalo, concussion spotters pulled Doc for an evaluation after he took a hit late in the game. So mm-hmm. I actually a... saw I saw that replay and it it looked it it didn't look great. Like it was it bad. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a I think it was a cross check actually, like near the net, like driving the net, and he got cross checked right, like did not know it was coming type situation. So oh, fun. That was uh, it. Didn't look super pretty. Uh, on the out jury, Matt Duchenne, 32-year-old forward, is out week to week with a lower body injury, so probably won't see him again. Yeah. And, uh, the only thing I could say about that is play your Predators? Yeah. Mark? I Man, I don't know. Like, they're so offensively it's tough they have no one left offensively but they like, seem to be doing so well they, with they the got no cody left, glass though. yeah i guess so glass Thomas but no Snow, one but left I almost... is doing so well though yeah tyson berry has been really good really? <laughs> like yeah man he he was my last week in kakupful he was my second highest uh he had the second highest amount of points individually I paid attention uh, of any to him player for my team. like the first like eight days after the trade. I was like, yeah. oh, well, this is this is trash. No reason for me to watch this anymore. So he's turned it around. Yeah, he's been awesome. And he's lighting it up. Is Yossi out? I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Is Yossi's out. out. So he's quarterbacking the power play. He literally like he's almost there. Like he's almost a top offensive option at this point. So he's firing the puck, which is, well, you which know is what? big. And 
yeah, that could be I, a really serious ad for Monday, Tuesday of next week. If, then. I mean, if he's out there, I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's uh, I, I held on to him in Kakupful just because it's a deeper league. Um, and I felt like there still was, they were playing him on the power play, even with Yossi. So I was like, okay, I feel like there still might be some value here. And it, it, I mean, I wouldn't have won last week if it weren't for Tyson Berry. <laughs> Truly. I, I can't believe it. Matt Duchesne either. Write Matt Duchesne down. had a great week too. And now he's out. But Write that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, through a slew of Vegas injuries, Riley Smith is out with a lower body injury, wasn't on the ice for Monday's practice, and is likely to be out tomorrow versus San Jose and Saturday against Minnesota. For those of you still rostering Riley. Shabbat, like we mentioned, likely to miss the rest of the season. Yep. Shea Theodore left Tuesday's game against Edmonton with an undisclosed injury. Ryan O'Reilly has been stick handling and shooting the broken mm-hmm. finger recovery timetable of four weeks. So nearly there now. Do you yep. hear any Toronto buzz about him coming back early? Uh <clears throat> I would imagine that they're probably they'll probably get him in for a couple games right at the end, uh, but I don't think there's a huge the, by the sounds of things. I don't think there's a huge rush to get him back into the lineup just because there's not a lot to play for right now. They're pretty comfortably in the position that they're in. They're not going to really move up or down. Um, they've got a pretty pretty solid lead on Tampa for home ice advantage at this point. So I I think. Uh, just to get them back to game speed, they'll probably get them into a couple games in the last week, but I don't think there's, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's imminent. Um, but he is, he is skating and looking good. Apparently he was taking shots on Matt Murray this morning. So as a preemptive to the zero goalie check-in injuries for the goalies, Cam Talbot has been practicing lately and could be available to play backup against Philadelphia on Thursday. A yeah. muscle strain has just kept him out for weeks. So as a goalie, not too confident in muscle strains. Logan Thompson <laughs> made his first start on the 23rd after missing roughly five weeks with a lower mm-hmm. body injury. Unfortunately, and no one saw this coming, he left the game with about six minutes left. Reports indicate his departure was due to a lower body injury. Mm-hmm. So, no one's telling exactly what that was. Vile Huso is currently being evaluated for a nagging lower body injury. He may miss the rest of the season. He wasn't playing well to begin with. Yeah. Aiden Hill, yeah. as of Monday, Hill hadn't returned returns and resumed skating. He's been out with a lower body injury for the past three weeks. And Anti Ranta is really, quote, close to a return could play Thursday in Detroit and Montreal on Sunday. He tweaked something in his groin in early March. So I would assume him being a goalie and the injury being to his groin that they would let him rest as long as possible. But I would Freddie has so. been playing like absolute trash. Lately. Yeah. Freddie's so, not good. Freddie's not good, man. Kachekov might be the starter in the playoffs. We'll see. Freddie is this doesn't is, it doesn't this it is just Freddie like Anderson? It should have been Kachekov this whole time. Like they should have just yeah. gotten to the point where it was Kachekov and Freddie is the backup, and they let they let Ranta just hit the bricks. Doesn't it feel yeah. like that? 
I mean, Freddie is Freddie's a goalie where his <laughs> his totals look great. His totals look great every year, uh, but the stretch leading up to the playoffs and into the playoffs, he's not he's not clutch. I guess that's that's the best way of putting it. Not a clutch goaltender. At least that that was my experience with him in Toronto. Not uh, clutch. He would he would in every seven game series he would win them two games and then lose them game seven essentially. Like I mean. Not every single time, obviously. It's a, it's a team effort, but there were definitely saves that he could have made in really big moments that he You're just so didn't. diplomatic, bro. You're so diplomatic. <laughs> you don't call anyone out, including me. It's great. <laughs> great. All right, let's let's do a really quick zero G check in here. So uh, I, I mean I guess if Ronta comes back, then he's definitely an option uh for, for spot starts. So maybe keep an eye on that. He wasn't on my list, but but that's uh, that's pretty key. Mad Sogart, eleven percent rostered, has had three straight quality starts against Boston, Tampa Bay, and Florida, which is pretty impressive. Um, all of those teams generate quite a bit. I mean, Tampa Bay not so much lately, but uh, it's still still pretty impressive that uh, he's he's playing so well against teams of that caliber. Um, I think so. You mentioned that they're saying Talbot could back up on Thursday, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Um, I don't know if that's because Sogard is playing well, so they want to keep going with him. So if that's the case, I think Sogard is likely going to get two starts for the rest of the week. But definitely keep an eye on um, on game day goalie starts um, just to see if they do, in fact, decide to go with Talbot tomorrow. Because, um, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not... I'm not 100% sure that that's, that's going to be the way it is. But um, uh, regardless, Sogard is going to get at least one start the rest of the week. It seems like maybe because of the verbiage used that he might get two. So um, definitely a guy to – I think he's probably your premium ad at this point uh, in terms of goaltenders. Uh, Eric Comrie, who's 7% rostered, I mean seemingly irrelevant for months uh, – has had two starts in a row for the Sabres and one of them, he had a shutout. The other one was a quality start. Um, so he's played pretty well for a couple of games in a row. They have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, like I mentioned uh, against Dallas and San Jose. So I would imagine he's going to get one of those starts. Um, obviously if he gets San Jose, it's probably preferable. Um, so maybe worth a spot start. I don't know. Like, I mean the game before these two games, he played against Dallas and allowed 10 goals. So uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't really know if you can predict what you're going to get from Eric Comrie, but worth noting, he's had a couple of really him. nice games in a row. I don't trust uh, <laughs> Fair. Matt Murray is now 52% rostered. So, I mean, attainable at this point. He might be out there in your league. Um, and he will play Saturday or Sunday. So probably a really good spot start there. He hasn't been the greatest. Um, He's been playing from the eye test. Eye test, I think he's played pretty well No. um, in general. He's just allowing, I mean, uh, there's a lot of goals. Like, he's not allowing bad goals, okay? It's Mm. just he's, I don't, I don't really know how to, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to be. Anyways, I'll be. I, your I, I mean, the eye test is. I'll be your I think, I don't think, Matt I don't Murray think... has been playing terribly. Okay, terribly. Right, that's fine. I'll be the one to say it. 
You don't have to be the one to say it. Matt Murray has been the one of that tandem playing terribly. And fair enough, the two of them have not been playing especially well. But Matt Murray has been playing terribly, and I trusted him all season long to get into the playoffs and turn it on, and he absolutely (laughs) has not done so. He looks terrible. Yeah, I guess from a... From a fantasy perspective, you would definitely know because you've rostered him uh, in a couple of places. I believed. I believed all year long. So, so, so long. And no, he's terrible. (laughs) I don't. Well, he came up huge for stretches. He he truly did. Um, But yeah, right now, not the greatest. But I mean, I still think that there's potential for him to come out and have a really great game this weekend. So, I mean, uh, I guess I guess stream at your own risk. Uh, and then the LA situation is always a good situation. I mean, I actually, I don't know. That's I streamed Phoenix Copley for Sunday and it almost, I almost blew my, uh, my couple matchup because of it. Cause he allowed six goals. Yikes. <laughs> so it was literally like, I'm watching at, at midnight. I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God, am I going to lose my, am I going to lose in the semis because I streamed Phoenix Copley? Are you kidding me? But, uh, uh, Copley is likely going to get two games against Edmonton and Vancouver, and then Corpusalo will get Seattle. So you can choose whatever you need. I mean, obviously, the two games for Copley, that's pretty cool. You're going to get two, but then it's Edmonton and Vancouver as mm-hmm. well. And yeah. he had that rough that rough night on Sunday. So, I mean, again, stream at your own risk. But Corpusalo, I think, is a pretty safe bet for the most part. He's been a pretty safe stream most of the year. Even in Columbus, he's had, even when he was playing in Columbus, he was playing well. So I did not um, trust Corpusalo in Columbus, but I like Kings uh, Corpusalo quite a bit. I think he's going to be their starter into the playoffs. But yeah, I I mean, unfortunately, the way that the deployment's going, you're only going to get one game out of him for the rest of the week. So um, unless things change. Uh, And that's that's all I have here. I don't know. Do Do you have any other guys in mind? No, those are the main ones for no. me. Corpus Allo was the guy I would hammer on. You finished with him. So perfect. Perfect. All right, let's get into the mailbag then. But the pork man is here. Regular question asker. Uh, who are some guys on your do not draft list for the next season, or at least not draft at the value they were perceived at this season listed? I, I mean, you have a list right here. So why don't you start, Big C? So I focused on the latter portion of the question. Do not draft at the value they were perceived at it, at this season. I think it's a pretty easy top five. Um, John Gaudreau, Kyle <laughs> Connor, Shabbat, McCarr, and Forsberg. All yep. of those dudes easily dropped two rounds for me. And... You're like, Makar, two rounds? Yeah, easy two rounds for me. Like, I I ju- just do not want to deal with the injury concerns and the playability of Kale Makar anywhere before the third round. Like, I'm not going to be the one to do it. The other four, I think, are pretty reasonable drops given everything that's going on on their teams. But um, number four on that list, I think, might – draw some eyebrows and I just can't do it. Like we, we had a ton of discussion about him being a top five value. And I am a huge believer in value above replacement players, but man, 
that is that is a stretch. If you're having to draft him in the top ten like you were this year, or the top five like you were this year, it's not even close for me. Yeah, no, uh, that's definitely fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've we talked about Matt Duchesne ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that, I mean, essentially he's hurt me this year for sure. Uh, I I bet on him just feeling like I could get him at value because people were so skeptical of his season last year. Uh, and I was like, well, he can't get that much worse. And like, he didn't, I mean, he's had stretches where he was okay. Uh, and actually last week, I, I think I did mention this, but he had a really good week and, and I mean, I wouldn't have won my semifinals couple matchup if not for Matt Duchesne, but now he's out. Um, <laughs> and obviously he can't help that, but, uh, He's a guy I'm going to be staying away from next year. Um, but uh, in terms of guys near the top, I think Victor Hedman uh, is is a guy that I'm concerned about going forward just because he never really figured it out um, after. I mean, he's not always playing on the top power play, which certainly hurts. They've got Sergachev kind of rotating in and out. Um, and he just hasn't been... 80 point Victor Hedman this year, like not even close. Not even um, close. So, and that's what you draft him in the second round for. So that that certainly hurts. The the Kale McCarr argument, I think I'm not taking him at five, where he was drafted a lot this year. I still think I'd probably, if he's there late first round, early second, I'm definitely jumping on that because I think there's a potential for huge value there. Cause he's really? at least value over replacement. Um, obviously like I try not to get too hung up on injury concerns, I guess is, is what I, what I'm saying. Um, and obviously like I, uh, a lot of people got hung up on injury concerns this year with Nikita Kucherov and he's quietly third in the league in scoring and like Very over a hundred points now. Um, and yeah, I mean, had, has had a fantastic year, but if you looked at, I think I talked about this at the start of the season when we were talking about the Kucherov Makar argument at five or five or six um i said kucherov because his i mean his he's paced for well over 100 points for so many years in a row and uh, there are these injuries here but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to happen this year and they haven't and sure enough he's one of the top scorers in the league so um so it so for me i feel kale mccarr has so much upside. He's still over a point per game, like well over a point per game as a defenseman, um, even with all of these injuries. And when he's played, he's been unbelievable. So I still think that he is probably the best fantasy option out there in terms of defenseman. Um, and I'm probably still taking him late first round, early second. But yeah, I think his stock does drop a little bit hmm. um, just because of the inherent risk with injuries. But not not as much as I think you are... At least that's my opinion. Not as much as I think you're you're pushing him down your list. No, it would definitely be third round for me. Okay, um, that's fair. After after such a, a a heavy affluent defense primary position in drafting this year, I'm yeah. going to be I'm going to be pushing defense down a rung or two next year. That's fair. I think. On my teams where on my points league teams where I didn't suffer like my defenseman didn't suffer severe injuries, 
um, it still worked out pretty well for me. So I don't know that my philosophy has changed too much, but yeah, there's, there are certainly like the, the Victor Hedman's, the Kale McCars, the John Carlson's um, guys that, that really hurt you. Zach Wierenski guys that, that were drafted really high that really hurt you this year. Um, and that's, that's unfortunate, but I don't know. I still, my philosophy has not, I guess we'll talk about this in the off season about our philosophy in terms of oh, drafting yeah. and, and, and oh, all that, yeah. but I don't want to go get too long winded about this. I feel like I already kind of have. So, um, let's move on. Googs also another loyal question asker. Uh, are we thinking Jack Eichel is a first round caliber player? Like he was in Buffalo. I wasted a lot of draft picks and Zabanajad to get Eichel last summer under that assumption. Yet the dude kind of sucks ass. I <laughs> used the inner the injury excuse for last year because he had a broken thumb, but I think I'm done with him and re- will replace his spot in my keepers with Evander Kane or Georgiev. Thoughts? Um, so my opinion in terms of Evander Kane and Georgiev, not Georgiev. Do not keep Georgiev. That's obviously like I'm uh I'm an apples and genos. Uh, zero G truther. So I, I, I don't like keeping goalies at all, but I mean, you, you can do whatever you want, but I, I wouldn't be keeping Georgiev over, uh, over Jack Eichel. So what are your thoughts on Eichel Binksy? I'm, I'm going to just pull up some stats here. Cause I was looking at this before when I saw this question. So, I mean, I think Georgiev notwithstanding, Obviously, right? You're talking about Evander Kane or Eichel. It really matters the parameters of your league and how much having Evander Kane benefits you, right? So if the stats in your league benefit a banger player, then I would undoubtedly go with Evander Kane, right? You're talking about playing on a team that scores a ridiculous amount of goals and for all likelihood for next year, you have a healthy Evander Kane, right? If we have a healthy Evander Kane for all of this year, it's probably not even a question, right? If you're looking at just stat to stat. But in a word, no. I didn't trust Eichel this year, and nothing has said otherwise all year long. But they've got 11 wins in the last 15 and he's hovering around three shots per game. He does just enough to tempt you in the third round as a general redraft player, and I won't be bit. Between Evander Kane and Jack Eichel, kind of almost regardless of format, I choose Evander Kane in terms of what you're going to have to spend to draft them. And as a keeper... Almost ubiquitously, I choose Evander Kane. I don't know what you're spending to keep them. I don't know how your keepers uh, set up for you to keep them and what stats matter to you. But almost across the board, I choose Evander Kane. And that's knowing that Eichel is nearly a point-per-game pace player. Yeah. So that's that's what that's what I want to touch on here. So just looking at some rate stats and comparing to career averages and career highs. Um, Jack Eichel, so 59 points in 61 games this year. He has missed time with injury once again this year. So I mean, if you if you're concerned about injuries, then then maybe you can factor that in. He has the lowest ice time of his career this year, 18.38 per game. Um, but I mean, that's still not that. That's I think that's just a coaching philosophy thing. I think Bruce has to like rules that. the lines a little yeah. bit more. Um, 
goals per 60 this year, 1.43. In his best year in Buffalo, you know what his goals per 60 was? 125? 1.43. The exact same. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to assists per 60. Total assists per 60. Uh, 1.69 this year. You know what is uh, that same year in Buffalo where he had that top goals per 60? His 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 assist per 60 was 1.67. So basically the same. Um, he's had better years in terms of assists per 60. Um, but some of the, I mean, one of them was the shortened season. That was a small sample size. That's when he went down with the neck injury. Um, so I don't think that's, I don't think those numbers are really out of character for him. Points per 60, 3.11. His best year, 3.13. So really like, in terms of counting stats, in terms of points, he's he not. Kind of, he kind really, of is kind what of he same. normally is. Yeah, yeah, he's getting a little less ice time, and I think that that hurts a little bit. But I mean, I, I, his IPP also not really that outlandish. It's sixty nine point four one. He's usually in the low seventies, so it's a little low, but not crazy. Shooting percentage, uh, I mean, a little bit below his. Uh, uh, actually, you know what? It's about it. It's about career average. It's actually on the higher end. I was looking at the wrong uh, the, the wrong category here. Shots per sixty, a little bit low this year, um, but not too outlandish. They kind of his shots per sixty kind of fluctuate. Um, individual Corsi four per sixty, pretty average for him. Hmm. Individual scoring chances four per sixty. Also pretty average for him, uh, 8.34. They're down a little bit from last year. I don't think that these numbers are crazy. Um, there is an argument that Eichel should should be the caliber of player uh, to drive a line no matter who who is playing with him. But there is a factor of Mark Stone's been hurt a lot of the year. I, you know, it's, um, it's funny you say that because – why you're why you're telling me these these year to year averages? I'm wondering how much that that spikes with him on the ice with Mark Stone, and yeah. at the same time, I'm wondering how much does that matter considering the health of Mark Stone in general for your drafts next year, right? Like how much how much is he is he impacted by having Mark Stone, and also can you rely on Mark stone? Right. Like, so in sure. the same breath, yeah. I'm like, does that matter? And then for fantasy drafts, I'm like, does it really matter? Cause he probably won't play a full season with Mark stone anyway. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, Mark stone has, uh, I mean, it's another back injury. That's not, that's not ideal, man. Uh, if you're having uh, repeated back injuries, that's, that's not really a good outlook long term i don't think in terms of in terms of longevity of your career that's just speculation but uh not 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 the greatest so, but jack eichel and in terms of being a top 10 drafted player i don't think he's there um but i, I mean, mean but he's got to get pushed hard by this this season's top 10 players right of course there's a lot of people that i mean that that's the other thing too is offense has um the league is just considerably more uh, people are just scoring a lot more than they were um, a few years ago. So even though his stats are comparable, there are a bunch of people that have taken leaps and, and the league average has taken leaps. So, so yeah, he was a top 10 player at that point and he's scoring at a similar pace uh, in terms of rate stats, but that doesn't necessarily mean that 
he is still a top 10. He should still be drafted in the top 10. I think he's more like a third round player at this point, uh, depending on your league and your league settings. So, but that is kind of where he was drafted this year. And that's kind of where I would be considering taking him still next year. That's, that's kind of, that's my take at least. Um, the Mark Skinner asks, Hey fellas, looking for a few options with low roster percentage for the Friday, Sunday games, any suggestions going for the title in my home league hashtag a and G title. Uh, who do, who do you got? I've kind of already mentioned a couple guys. Uh, actually, you know what? Um, so we talked about Perron and, and Heedle. Um, Calgary also has the Friday Sunday. I would be considering Andrew Mangiapani. He's kind of had yes. good underlying numbers for a yes. while, and he is he is starting to put the puck in the net um, the last little bit. So I that's a guy that I would be taking a look at for sure. Uh, if he's available. So uh, who's your guy, Binksy? I went a little bit further down the lineup um, in Detroit with Andrew Kopp at 13% rostered, center and right wing eligible. Uh, he's got three games above 20, 21 minutes average time on ice in the last five. He's getting great burn. He's shooting enough to give you a solid floor. They've got all of the schedule opportunity, and he is the next best thing to Perron in terms of what you hope for from Detroit. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of cop this year just because Detroit, uh, has not had a lot of depth offensive scoring. And that's, that is a challenge. I think he might be playing with Kubalik right now, but he's another yeah, guy I that so. I think that I think his deployment, um, really affects his production. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that I don't think that that's a I don't think that's a bad answer. I just don't know that that's a guy that I would be I would personally be targeting. He has continuously surprised me in a dynasty format where I roster sure. lower uh, opportunity players and continuously come up big like it has been a, 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 a kind of silently reliable season from cop. And yeah. considering the schedule and considering the opportunity that he's getting on the ice, I like it as one of your lower roster ship opportunities right now. Yeah. Nate, uh, Nate says, let's hear one fantasy hockey analyst outside of A&G you guys really respect and listen to when they voice an opinion. So you, uh, you've got some notes here, Binksy. Why don't you touch on those? Oh, yeah. I wrote a diatribe. I love fantasy hockey. Uh, <laughs> in general... I really love the voice and the foresight of Jeff Marek. Uh, it's not entirely centered on fantasy hockey, right? They just kind of talk about the league in general. But as far as fantasy hockey goes, I am a huge fan of the five-hole fantasy hockey team. And as much as I love to listen to the show and its overall entertainment, which seriously is through the roof, um, they really have some well-thought-out perspectives. Um but I love that show in general and not specifically each member of the show. Like I feel like they all put in an equal level of, of intuition and education and time into the show. If there's one person that I have to choose in fantasy hockey, my favorite fantasy talking head is Victor Nuno of Dauber and fantasy hockey life we can really kind of get into an echo chamber in fantasy hockey. And we talk about ads each week and 
and hot streaks and cold streaks and goalie streams and et cetera. Like it can really become, you know, who's the most effusive about one player uh, or who you like most on a show that can kind of sway you. But I really love the insight into the next generation that Victor and they on, on fantasy hockey life and at Dauber focus on. So he, not just him and his insight, but his literal voice keeps me coming back to listen. Like, I know that's just one of the things that you happen upon when you're listening to a drove of people talk about the same subject. But I, I think I naturally gravitate towards his emotion about young players. And yeah, as man. much as I would love to have more time to watch amateur hockey, I don't. So it it's really it's really eye-opening stuff and I really, really love listening to their pod about, about young players. Yeah. I, I like to echo a number of those names. Uh, I think five hole, obviously like we've, we talk about them all the time. I think they're, they're great. They've been really nice to us. They've been really great um, for, um, for apples and genos. Um, we have a lot of mutual listeners, I think, um, I really like their vibe and I really like their voices as well. Um, I, I think Victor Nuno, absolutely. You totally hit on that. I think him and Jesse over at fantasy hockey life. Um, there's really no one better uh, to uh, there's, I, I don't think there's better insight on dynasty league formats and prospects than, than Victor and Jesse at fantasy hockey life. So um, they're doing something that's, that's different than a lot of other fantasy hockey podcasts. And uh I, I really respect their opinions. Um, and then I think uh, the other one kind of off the board a little bit, um, not, not necessarily like a podcast, uh, a podcast guy, but Dom LeCision, uh really respect his, his advanced stats. Um, I, I do use his projections. I have the last couple of years to, to help guide my drafting. Um, I obviously like I, I use my own, uh, my own volition a little bit, Uh <laughs> But uh, definitely use um, his his value over replacement and uh, to a certain extent with with the forwards and defensemen that is I don't necessarily agree with uh, with the way that he values goalies compared to to uh, position players but uh, yeah I definitely think that he he has really good insight but obviously I don't want to I don't want to plug him too much because Nate has also has really great projections um, that compare really quite well to to Dalma decision so um i i definitely need to uh i feel like i need to i need to plug hey, nates as well hey, See, hey if he said fantasy hockey analyst outside of apples and Gino, I, uh, yeah outside. and that's what i know outside. but i i just don't want i, I don't want to be like i don't want to be like yeah Dalma decision number one projection guy <laughs> go go check out his projections pay for the athletic and get his projections because they're the best there is because like they're great, and I respect his opinion. Um, but I think Nate's are also great. I get it. So, You're a company guy, but I Nate's a company boy. Outside. I gotta, I gotta back my boy here. Um, Dark Canuck ninety nine says, "My opponent played Demko last night and got shelled. I need a couple safe goalie streams for the weekend back to back that won't kill my goals against average or save percentage." Thanks, guys. Um, I, I guess we kind of touched on this a little bit. I think Corpus Salo uh, is probably your safest bet. I think Mad Sogard as well, if he gets Thursday and either Saturday or Sunday, 
I think is is uh you're probably going to get the most out of him. I mean, um, if you can if you can get a stream out of Sogard with Philadelphia and Columbus, those are your mm-hmm. best odds, right? But um I think I would kind of play the field and then uh if you can swing Corpusalo against Seattle, even though Seattle can just be a, a out of the miss gunner against goalies, that mm-hmm. that still may benefit you, but but yeah, I think if you've got one ad, it's Sogard. And if you've got two ads, maybe Sogard and Corpusello. Dark Canuck 99 also asks, uh, if, your, if your league gave away awards to players at the end of the season in the following categories, who would win? Number one, best draft value. Number two, longest held waiver wire streamer. And number three, biggest draft bust. Thanks again. Looking forward to the show this evening. Thank you, Dark Canuck 99. Um, so why don't you touch on who do you think is it was the best draft value this year? I think Carlson kind of runs away with this one, yeah, doesn't he? 100%, from yeah. from going almost undrafted to to last few rounds. Um, that's I I I feel like it's a boring answer, but best draft value has to be Carlson going from nearly undrafted to how many is he projected to hit? Oh, he he might hit a hundred. He like, might hit a hundred. Yeah, right? I think he like, might hit a hundred. I didn't yeah. want to say a hundred, not thinking it might not be. He's close to it. I'll look at his totals I mean, now. Nearly, I, nearly a hundred points as an almost not drafted on the Sharks. Yeah. right. Like that. He has ninety-one that, points currently. That has to be it, regardless of whether he hits the centennial or not. Like that. Yeah. That has to be it. <laughs> yeah, and that's on the on literally the last place team in the league, and he's still scoring even though they traded away Timo Meyer and there's like essentially nothing left there. Um, he's the guy that's running that offense. And it's, it's unbelievable that he's doing this at this point in his career, especially after all those injuries. Seth um, Jones I, has daydreams about being Eric Carlson. Yeah. Yeah, man. I would say uh H is another one. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is going to hit hundred points almost definitely. Uh, yeah. And he was drafted around the same spot as as Eric Carlson um maybe even lower in some leagues so that is really nice draft value I think Zach Hyman as well both those guys that play on the Oilers power play I think are really benefiting from playing with McDavid and and Dreisaitl but regardless um I think anyone that drafted those guys got really good value as well um what about longest held waiver wire streamer so I didn't really do any in-depth research to this. I just kind of went to my gut on these. But mm-hmm. um, Brandon Hagel would be my guess here. Maybe you, you tag in one of the abs second line considering the playoff schedules. So if you're thinking about um, people that were streaming Comfer or Erod, maybe those were like longest held waiver wire streamers for people that were really forward thinking into the playoff schedule. I know I had a lot of people trying to buy – uh, those two off of me on on the the trade deadline, but I feel like Hagel would be my best guess here, given the length of the season and no one really trying to buy him at playoff time based on their playoff schedule being being the opposite of the Avalanche. So um, I kind of chose two sides of the coin. What do you think? Um, my, I mean, for me personally, at least in our keep three, Carter Verhage was my number one. Um, I picked him up maybe the second or third week and 
he was steady Eddie the rest of the year. He was a top 30, top 40 uh, player in the, in the scoring format that, that we use. And man, what, what value that was, that was, that was quite a pickup. So I think anyone that picked up for Hagee early in the season, uh, that was a good, good option there. Uh, Jamie Ben is another guy. I didn't pick him up personally, but I think we were, we were, uh, hyping him up early in the season because he started out hot and yeah. we were like, I don't know if this is going to last. The underlings look pretty good, but like, I don't know about the, de- the deployment and whatnot. Um, but he stayed on power play one the whole year and he's really been really solid. It's been the, a true Renaissance year for Jamie Ben. So I think, um, I think he's Shout another guy. <laughs> I think he's another guy that's, uh, um, that you could, you could include in there. Uh, and last biggest draft bust. You can underline this one, man. Yeah. It's, the easy favorite here is Huberto. Like, yeah. How, ma- how many questions throughout the season do you think we fielded about when to drop Huberto? Oh, so, oh my gosh. 30? Yeah. A lot. Just for the show. Just every, for the show. Every I mean, other episode. Every other episode was, was about <laughs> when to drop Huberto. I mean, yeah. Your your biggest draft bus has to be Huberto. Like I think you have a short list past that, but man, I don't it has to be Huberto. He has to be the biggest. I'm curious what happens with Huberto next year. Um, if Daryl Sutter's fired. Um, because that could be a really interesting I have no idea where he's going to be drafted uh, in in terms of, of fantasy hockey. And there could be potential for some value there. Like this guy is scoring okay. at 40 percent, 30 take, to 40 percent. I'll take the bait. I'll take the bait. What's the earliest round that you snipe Huberto next oh. year? Four? Is it four? Do you, do you oh, take a swing in the league at fourth That's round? risky. That's pretty risky, I think. We're talking about I a hundred think... point player last year. I know, but he's now what a fifty point player, like yeah, uh, but almost that's an aberration to his career, right? Thus far, it's true. So... No, no, you're right. You're totally right. Um, yeah, that's tough. I think probably five or six, round five or six. I would be jumping on him, and I, I think can't wait to argue about this. Eight yeah, I have to do more research on it, but that's that's definitely a discussion. Uh, that that'll be a fun discussion in the offseason. I think a lot of a lot of uh, fantasy hockey podcasts are going to be talking about that. I but, think the most yeah. cli- the most clicked on fantasy hockey article going into next season is where to draft Huberto. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hedman and uh, Victor Hedman and Aaron Eckblad, I think, are a couple guys that uh, uh, that are that are busts. Like they were. I mean, Hedman specifically getting drafted in the second round really d- has not returned a ton of value. I think he's no, definitely in the no. conversation. Um, and yeah, obviously Huber- Huberto, if some people took him in the first round and that's, uh, that's awful. That's so awful. If that's your top guy. Um, Ek- Ekblad uh, also, I mean, I, he's had injuries as he usually does, but um, he's had stretches where he's done almost nothing like putting up zeros across the board. So that's not, uh, that's not great either. Um Zebra Dan uh, is back, says, hopefully you guys are still going strong in your fantasy playoffs. How many leagues is too many for you guys? We were talking the other day about how I went from one league my first year to 17 
the second year playing fantasy hockey. I found my sweet spot at four, but this year I tried my hand at dynasty and ended up taking over three dynasty teams mid season. So now I'm back up to too many. Man, 17 is too many for way sure. Many. That's way too many. Way too many. I currently, I, I have five redraft leagues this year and one dynasty. And I feel like that's good for me. So six leagues. I feel like I could adequately uh, pay attention to all of them. But then, I mean, obviously there were some where that weren't as competitive where I would just wouldn't pay attention to it too much. Like I wouldn't be focusing on streamers. So I think probably the sweet spot is four or five, um, to be honest. So, um, yeah, in order to like optimally be uh paying attention and like being competitive in 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 all of those um i think probably four four to five i think that's that's a nice little sweet spot what do you think Binksy? i think that's a nice round number i think the most important part is um the actual statistics and the weights of your league if you're doing seven leagues and they're all different that is a a way different way different thing to deal with than say three leagues of one type and three leagues of another yeah. type, right? Cause you're having to shift your mindset to every single tab that you open. And that single shift can be really, really important in fantasy sports. So um, I did five this year and I will probably move up to six next year but I'm only going to add a league that is very similar to a league that I'm already in. And I think that's the most important part. I do think that if you're doing 17, that is very clearly too many. If you're doing 17, then we don't have a hotline for you, but, uh, but message us uh, on discord and we'll, we'll teach you the ways to, to kind of rein in your life and fantasy hockey and, and the, the minutia in between. Cause Zebra Dan, if you're doing 17, man, you're doing too much. <laughs> yeah that's wild i don't even know how you you could get into 17 fantasy hockey leagues uh unless you're just doing like a ton of public ones maybe you just have a ton of friends that that love fantasy hockey i don't I know hope so um, i hope but, so yeah i hope that's the case um so uh that's i think that's an excellent point about about league formats like if they're all completely different from each other that makes total sense like i think it's it's even harder to to uh to stay on top of of, of all your leagues. So I think that that round number kind of decreases at that point, if your leagues are kind of like all different from each other. Um, I think we're going to have to stop here uh, just because we're very long. So fantasy hockey professor, I know you, you asked a question about diving into the zero G strategy. Um, I think we'll probably touch on that in the off season. So um, we will get to that. I apologize for not getting to your question. I just don't want to go like insanely long here. We've had a really good time. Uh, answering questions um so i think but i think we better we better call it a night so thank you for listening check out the apples and genos discord server shout outs to the band they're there for providing our music their spotify link is in the episode description give us a rating on spotify or apple Podcasts. follow us on twitter binksy is at binklemania nate is at apples genos blake is at blake creamer se and i'm at just josh and four one please practice safe stats and happy streaming have a good one folks Good night, world.